Bible tells us Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It also tells us Satan is the father of lies and the god of this world. Why does the church avoid the topic of Satan, evil spirits, and spiritual warfare today? How does Satan masquerade as an angel of light? As Christians, what can we do when we feel under attack? Join us today as Dr. Robert Bennett describes real events and actual confessions people have shared with him of demonic encounters in America. How do we resist Satan's schemes? Find out today as I interview Robert Bennett. He's the author of Afraid, Demon Possession and Spiritual Warfare in America. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Reverend Robert Bennett is the executive director of Luther Academy and the author of several books, including Afraid, Demon Possession, and Spiritual Warfare in America. Thanks, Reverend Bennett, for being my guest today. Uh, tell us why you wrote this book. This book actually came uh, after a previous book uh, where I actually dealt with the topic of why the church has has lost uh, its uh, voice on this topic through the years. And as a result of many pastors reading the first book, I received emails and phone calls from pastors who were having instances happening in their own churches with their own members asking questions of me. And so this book was put together really to answer those questions, to, to, to give real-life stories of how the gospel was able to rescue people from some pretty terrorist um, situations in some of these accounts, and just to provide a, a clear explanation of, of how I see this in the United States and how pastors and laity can respond to this problem. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, the church really does avoid this subject, Satan and demonic encounters in our world today. But you have so many wonderful, I shouldn't say wonderful stories when I say that. They're really uh, difficult to read uh, and and see, but the end result is that uh, the the power of Jesus' name and and the power of the gospel prevail, uh, and people are helped. Uh, just tell us about one of the stories in your book, maybe one that is especially important to you. Well, and there's a number of stories, of course, so it's hard to just pick one. But uh, one we might want to deal with was. Uh, the failure of, of a pastor, and there's actually a couple of failures in the book, where a pastor wasn't able to, to speak to the problems of their members. In this case, uh, a member was a wonderful member of, of, the, of the Lutheran Church. Um, she was involved in the altar guild. Her husband was an elder of the church. Just great, faithful people who moved into this house, and they believed the house had ghosts. Um, didn't just believe it, but they would see things and, um, you know, problems would happen to them when they were sleeping and, and things like that. And, and so after a long time, they finally mustered up the uh, courage to, to go talk to their pastor. They didn't want to talk to him at first because they thought, well, he'd think we're, we're crazy or, or something like that. And So they went and talked to him, and, and when they went and talked to the pastor, the pastor basically told him that, told them that well, he really didn't understand these things, and maybe they should go talk to the, the Catholic priest down the street. Well, they're good Lutheran folks, and so, you know, especially if those remember years ago, well, you know, that wasn't a common thing for us Lutherans to do, and so they did it. They, they went back and they had dealt with this problem. And, and they had this problem in their home for 30 and plus years. 
And, and finally, they encountered uh, another pastor who uh, they talked to. And actually, the way it came out is they, um, they kind of slipped. They actually went looking for answers at a paranormal conference mm. um, because they couldn't find answers in the church. And uh, the paranormal conference had told them not to worry. These were good ghosts and, and, and all that type of thing that you hear on TV so often these yeah. days. And uh, the pastor was able to, to first um, sit down with them and, and, and talk to them and, and remind them that, you know, biblically that we don't believe in ghosts in the sense that someone dies and continues to haunt and, and, and live in this world. Um, and as a result of that, uh, the pastor talked to them about... Um, something that all of us Lutheran pastors have in our Lutheran agendas is uh, a blessing of the home mm-hmm. or a dedication mm-hmm. of a dwelling, which in essence are, are exorcisms of homes mm. or, or dwellings. And and he went there, this is a very sh- long story short, the whole story is in the book, but he went there and um, and did the exorcism of the home and the, the people thought, well, nothing must have worked because nothing strange, nothing miraculous happened. Um, and nevertheless, uh, that was about six years ago, and still to this day, the people have had no problem in their home whatsoever. The point is, they lived with this problem for all of these years. Well, it was a very simple problem to deal with if uh, their pastor would have simply been trained and, and knew what to do and, and, and even knew what was in the books that he had on his shelf. Hmm. Um, it would have avoided many, many problems. And by the grace of God, of course, um, these people came to their new pastor and and expressed this to him, and he was able to kind of rescue them from where they were headed. They were headed down this occult, paranormal uh, road um, that would just have ended up very badly for them. And, and so I think in that story you talk about putting on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, Ephesians six eleven. Um, and it's so true. In today's world, we just don't talk about these topics but answer a question for me are these people in the stories that you share seeing ghosts or are they evil spirits are there such things as ghosts you touched on that during during your sharing of that story yeah i don't believe there's any biblical um passage that we can point to to really justify ghosts the way they're talked to in in our age indeed the scriptures are are really talking a very different way and it's appointed once for a man uh, to die, and then the judgment. Um, as Christians, of course, we believe that those who, who die apart from faith go to await the eternal damnation prepared for the, uh, the devil and his, and his demons. And those who die in the faith go to be with the Lord, uh, which Paul describes as far better than anything we can experience here, waiting the resurrection of, of all flesh. It doesn't really leave room for, for ghosts, and I don't believe in ghosts uh, mm-hmm. by any means. You can tell by my answer, I'm sure. You know, there's a couple of times um, in Scripture where it talks about ghosts, for instance, uh, you know, on the sea with Jesus and his disciples. As Jesus is walking on the sea, they think they see a ghost. Mm-hmm. That, that in no way implies that there are ghosts. They were just part of their culture, and and they thought that they had saw a ghost, but that doesn't mean there are ghosts. Um, and so I, I think we have to deny the fact that there, there's ghosts in this world. But we do have, however, is we have really three circumstances that occur. We have people who imagine things that aren't there, and a lot of times that's the answer. We also have mental illness mm-hmm. that... Um, it causes people to see and to hear things that, that aren't physically there. And then the third option after those first two are, are explored is that um, Satan and his demons love to 
um, come and, and indeed he is the father of lies and does represent himself as an angel of light as we're reminded from the scripture and come in and, and pretend to be um, people who have departed in the past or whatever uh, and sometimes this is very difficult to deal with as, as pastors uh, many pastors that I know the people who come to them in their, in their churches and they'll say that you know maybe their husband who they've been married to for the last 40 50 years has died and, and they believe he visits them every night and you know pastors have to tell their parishioners no that's not your husband that's coming you know it's, it's one of these three options and the third option is not your husband it's mm-hmm. it's the devil using these things to test you and to to lead you away from the faith yeah absolutely it's difficult and i'm i'm glad you brought up mental illness because i think today um most people just focus on the fact that if there's a problem, if you're seeing something, it is a mental illness. And there are some mental illnesses that do hear voices and see things that aren't there. But uh, you have to kind of discern that as the as the church leader, as the pastor, as you go in and talk to these people. Well, one of the stories in your uh, book was talking about salt under the bed. Tell us what happened in that chapter. Ghost under the bed, did you say? Salt under the oh, bed. Oh, salt under the bed. Yeah, yeah this is a really troubling story. Um, there was a pastor who lived in a uh, parsonage for a while, and he was having a lot of problems in the parsonage. Um, his only understanding uh, of demonic activity and things like that came out of Roman Catholicism. He was friends with a number of Roman Catholic priests. And when he started to have problems in his house, he place salt around uh, between the the bed spring and, and the mattress trying to keep the the ghost or the uh, sorry the the evil spirits away um and then another pastor later on moved into that home and then found this and and talked to the pastor and it was just one example of of how this goes wrong where pastors because they haven't been trained properly to deal with these instances go and look for the answers in the wrong places mm-hmm. And that's one of the old folklores that if you surround a thing with, with salt, that, that it'll keep the, the devil and, and evil spirits away, which is, of course, you know, ridiculous uh, at first. But also the devil loves to take these various uh, non-biblical things and to turn them into idols for us. You know, if you if you think the salt is going to keep the devil away, well, then to a certain extent, the salt is becoming your own god. Mm-hmm. As Luther remind us in, in the first commandment, that anything we put our trust in, the place where we put our hope, the things we look to for comfort, those become our gods, rather than the one true God who can care for all problems that we have. One thing I make a clear point of whenever I talk on this issue is Jesus is the only exorcist. There Mm -hmm. is no other. Nobody else has authority. Nobody else Mm -hmm. has that power. It's only Jesus who casts the devil away. To be sure that Jesus does through uh, these things, through the word that's that's preached and Mm -hmm. proclaimed, but through his word. Yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, at the very beginning, I talked about uh, the Bible saying that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and you've touched on that a couple times. But give us an example of a time where you saw that happening. He does lie. He's deceptive. He is always trying to make us think things that aren't true, trying to take our eyes off of Jesus if we're Christians already. Uh, just an example of Satan masquerading as an angel of light. Sure. Uh, one example I'd return to is, uh, which is really a pretty common example, that 
most people just don't talk about, but most pastors I know have had members that, that have this issue, and that's the case of a uh, departed loved one mm-hmm. who, who shows up who they miss very desperately, who shows up uh, to comfort them in the home and visit them. Um, well, that's not the loved one. We have already said that you know, ghosts aren't, uh, aren't real. They, they don't come back to, to speak to us and to haunt us. Um, and so if it's not an imagination or if it's not a mental illness, if this is happening, this is Satan pretending to be um, someone else. And he does that uh, very often. He's very happy to take on any uh, false clothing um, that works for him that will lead us away from Christ. Remember, he, his, that's his whole point is to, to get us to believe in, to trust in, uh, to have any other God than the one true God who already defeated him upon the cross. And, and John 12 helps us with that. That now is the time for the prince of this world to be ekbalod. That means exercise. The translations used to say cast off. Mm-hmm. And we talk about exorcism. We have to get our minds off of the TV shows that we're used mm-hmm. to seeing so mm-hmm. often. Sometimes there are some pretty drastic things that happen, but most of the time when we talk about exorcism, it, it's simply that. It's this repelling, casting away, removing. And, and Jesus does that constantly through the preaching of his word, uh, through the act of baptism. Baptism has always been understood to be exorcism, but most people don't recognize that. Or the promise that he, that he gives, that he's present with us, in with and under the bread and wine, physically, for the forgiveness of our sins. And if we look at Jesus being the only exorcist, and as Jesus being the one who repels the devil, well, where Jesus has promised to be, there the devil is repelled. And so exorcism comes in, in very simple forms, not necessarily always in the very wild forms that we're used to seeing in Hollywood and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make a few announcements, and after the break we'll continue talking to uh, Dr. Robert Bennett. And we want to learn more about the house blessing and what pastors do related to that, as well as more about his book, Afraid, Demon, Possession, and Spiritual Warfare in America. Today, Family Shield is giving away the complimentary booklet, Great Deceiver. To receive the booklet, call the Family Shield Response Center at 1-877-250-8416. And don't forget to give us your complete name and address. Uh, Reverend Bennett's publisher, Concordia Publishing House, has donated some of his books for us to give away through a drawing. To sign up for the drawing to win one of his books, and there are actually two books. We're talking about one of them. Uh, In a few minutes, we'll just touch on the other one briefly. So we have six of his books to give away. But don't forget, when you sign up for the drawing, to call our response center. Again, that number, one 877 Two five zero eight four one six, and give us your complete name and address because they will be mailed to you if you're the winner. And we encourage listeners to sign up to receive the Family Shield email newsletter that'll keep you, your family, and congregation informed about upcoming program topics and guests. You can also connect with us on Facebook and hear the programs on our archive page. If you're a Thrivent Financial member, you can designate your Thrivent choice dollars to support Family Shield Ministries. Go to the Thrivent website, www.thrivent.com. Remember, you need to re-sign up every quarter. If you haven't done this in a while, call them at 1-800-847-4836, 1-800-847-4836, or you can do it on their website. 
You can also send prayer requests, program topic suggestions, or a financial gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. Now I want to go back to my guest, uh, Reverend Robert Bennett. And we've been talking about his book, Afraid, Demon Possession and Spiritual Warfare in America. But the other book is I Am Not Afraid, Demon Possession and Spiritual Warfare. Uh, Dr. Bennett, tell us just a little bit, summarize information in that book, because we're going to be giving away that book through the drawing as well. Sure. The, the first book was not really intended to be what it is. I uh, began my Ph.D. studies, and I needed something for my dissertation, so I decided to study uh, the island of Madagascar. It's one of the fastest-growing Lutheran churches in the world. There's more than 5 million Lutherans in, in Madagascar, and so I went there to study conversion. And as I was there doing my research, I kept bumping into exorcism. Most of the the inhabitants of the island are still connected to early forms of animism or mm. traditional religions where they actually seek to be possessed, not by the devil and demons. They think it to be, for instance, the ancestors of those who are dead. Mm. Um, and so when the gospel came in conflict with those people, and when, when the word of Jesus was preached in their midst, uh, exorcisms were taking place. And so I decided I would write on that topic. So that first book is, is a little bit more academic. It's still accessible to anyone who'd like to read it, but it's a little bit more academic. It was a rewriting of my Ph.D. dissertation. In the book, I also, though, uh, I did a few other things besides just looking at Madagascar. I looked at what happened in the Lutheran Church, because this was actually a very common talk in the Lutheran Church uh, in the beginnings of the Missouri Synod. C.F.W. Walther, the first president of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, would, would advise pastors uh, as he taught them that you know, they would be going out and they'd be visiting the sick and visiting those who are in prison and those who are mentally ill and those who are demon-possessed as, as if it was just one more thing, task that a pastor does in a daily normal activity. And so I followed that through historically, where where we lost it and how it started to come back in our society. And also I go through all the Gospels, uh, each instance as Jesus deals with the topic and uh, I make a point of, of how Jesus deals with it, that it's not all the ritual and, the, and all the things that we see on TV so often, but just simply speaking of his own word. And later as Paul simply speaks the word of Jesus, be gone in the name of Jesus, that that this is what a true exorcism is. I also then look at baptism in the history of church and show how that's always been connected to exorcism and so on. All right, wonderful. Well, again, we're going to be giving away six of his books, three of each of them, for Afraid, the one we've been speaking about, and the other one, I Am Not Afraid, which he, uh, Dr. Bennett just shared briefly a little bit about, but both of them are wonderful. Now, I want to ask you a little bit more. You mentioned the house blessing, which you mentioned is like an exorcism, uh, and you mentioned them numerous times throughout your book. Uh, I'd like to just have you explain a little bit more about how pastors would come into a home that might have some problem in it and what they would do. What, what, how do they do this? Uh, how, what kind of Bible verses do they share? Why do you talk about songs, hymns, and uh, why it's important? 
Well, um, the, as I mentioned, all of us pastors in the Lutheran Church, and I'm sure the churches have similar resources, we have something called the Lutheran Agenda that has our services for weddings and funerals and confirmation and all those things. It also has in them, and depending on the volume you look at, a dedication of a dwelling or, or the blessing of a home. And as I mentioned, really what those are, they're exorcisms. And I'll talk about the, the service a little bit, but then I need to get back to the main point here. Okay. The service is, is generally uh, just a, a number of prayers and some scriptural readings that remind us that, that we're in the care of Christ and that we do not need to worry. Um, and it's good to add some that remind the devil that he's a defeated foe and, and likewise. And in the center of the ritual, usually they're in, incorporated in the prayers, there's a section that would uh, cast the, the evil from the home. For instance, uh, you know, just making something off the top of my head, I don't have the book in front mm -hmm. of me, but, you know, let all evil depart from this home, for it is a place of, of God's children. The devil has no place here. These are children of God. They've been baptized. They're owned by Christ. Uh, depart in the name of Jesus and, and likewise. But when we talk about blessing a home, one thing that I make a point of in, in the book is that liturgy part that I just mentioned is probably about 10% of the work. About 90% of the work that a pastor needs to do in these circumstances is what I would call catechesis or, or teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, the pastor has to unravel the lies that the people have already believed about uh, what was happening in the home. Okay. And so um, he needs to remind them of who they are in Christ, what that means, that, that Christ has attached his very name to them in baptism. He's promised to never leave them or forsake them. Uh, they need to be reminded that uh, many times it's taking away because they see so much on TV and and read things in books and hear things on the radio, and they, they kind of make their own spirituality connected yes. to it, which really isn't a biblical uh, spirituality at all. And, and really kind of move, removing all those things, helping them realize maybe there are no ghosts, and, and what we mentioned earlier about the three things, imagination, mental health, and then demonic activity. Um, so a lot of it's catechesis, just kind of talking to people, letting them talk more than really talking, and then helping clean up uh, the things that come out of the people's mouths and, and make them realize that that uh, they're in Christ and they really don't need to fear the, the things. And this is generally when people are having problems in their homes. Mm -hmm. You mentioned hymns. Uh, yes. in, in my Afraid book, I have 70-plus hymns in the, the appendix of the book that come out of our Lutheran hymnal that I say are exorcistic in nature. When I talk about exorcistic in nature, uh, one hymn, for instance, is hymn number 666. Uh, funny numbering, you would think, but not really. It's really put there because it, it's a hymn that mocks the devil. But it mocks the devil not in view of uh, a person mocking the devil. mocks the, the devil in view of Christ, that he, that he is a defeated foe, that his, that his, that his power is just a, a facade. It, it looks powerful on the outside, but because of Christ, it's really uh, you know, just being held up by toothpicks on the outside and, and likewise. So... Uh, another thing pastors need to do is, is make sure that the people are, are reading scripture, uh, mm -hmm. that they're singing hymns in the home out loud and praying. And, and as I said earlier, all these things have an exorcistic effect. Uh, it's nothing really that new to us. It's just we've never really been taught that, that this is how um, we keep the devil away and, mm -hmm. and, and how we remove the devil. It's just through uh, faithfully adhering to to that which we've known all of our lives. 
And by knowing these things, it, it makes it very easy to deal with the issues. Now, sometimes things are very complicated and they, and they get quite messy, and, and and so it's not all this simple. But most of the time, it is. Mm-hmm. And and so I write quite a number of stories about how pastors have dealt with this in length and the problems and how they talk through these issues with people in the book. Good. Now, I'm sure in the midst of that, and I know you touched on it, uh, people have done things, they may be Christians, but they've done things that are sinful. And um, uh, does the pastor have a time of a confession of sins and absolution so that that person, I remember one of the stories, I don't remember which one it was, uh, where the man was just, you weren't even sure if it was a mental illness or, or if it was demonic, but when he confessed his sins for the first time in a long time, he felt clean, he felt forgiven, the guilt was gone. So talk just a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That is a, a common thing that, I, that I, I talk about in the book quite a bit. That's part of that catechesis process. And, and really the whole liturgy uh, has an exorcistic effect. But speaking back to um, the confession and absolution, the devil is the author of lies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all of us can admit that there's times that we uh, believe things are irrational. And one of the most irrational things is that uh, we cannot be forgiven for a sin that we've committed. Um, Our Lord has carried all sin in his body to the cross. There's not a sin that that has been missed. And our Lord stands there uh, waiting to speak that wonderful gift of, of absolution to us. And so anyone who's having these type of issues... Uh, one of the one of the common things is they should be knocking down the doors of their pastors mm-hmm. and, and and hearing that word of absolution. Just you know, because sometimes you know we 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 all have in our in our Lutheran services we have the the common confession absolution the service and that is wonderful as well. And there's nothing to take apart away from that. But sometimes we just need to hear that sin that's plaguing us, that, yes, even this sin that, that I don't want anybody else to know, but I can tell to my pastor because it's a part of his call, he must retain these sins and not speak of them, that even this, this sin that, that, I don't, that I just can't live with and tell anybody about, that even that sin has been taken away in Christ. And what that does is it just removes the devil's power, the demon power to, to harass and to, to convict because they convict through lies. Now, it's true that you know, maybe they, they point to real sins, but they, they also avoid uh, the fact of Jesus. If I could, I'll just give one of my favorite uh, quotes. We're, we're pretty much out of time. Um, okay. I've got less than a minute left, so I'm, I'm going to ask you not to do that, but I would love to hear it uh, on the other side of the the. Uh, program here. Um, Again, I want to mention that my guest has been uh, Dr. Robert Bennett, and we've been talking about his book, Afraid, Demon Possession, and Spiritual Warfare in America. Uh, This has just got so much good information, especially for Christians that are struggling in some of these ways. And I just love that um, this is something for all people, but especially Christians, to understand that Christ has won the battle, and we have no need to fear. Jesus is with us. Uh, this is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Learn more about Family Shield at www.familyshieldministries.com. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield. Family Shield.